Hello, my fellow myth lovers, and welcome back to So You Think Your Family's Bad, the podcast where we talk about how Greek myths came to be. This week, we are going to be talking about the Oracle of Delphi. Who was she? Who put the Oracle into power? And why was she tripping? In order to talk about the Oracle, we first have to go back to the very beginning with Gaia. Gaia was the mother of all. Her children include the Titans, the Cyclopes, the Hundred-Handed Ones, all of these really early mythical beings. Uh, With this, she was also considered to be Mother Earth, since she was the beginning of all life. Now, Gaia is Zeus's grandmother. And we talked a little bit about Zeus in the last episode, so if you need a refresher on who that is, please go check out my other episode that I have posted. So at some point in Zeus's reign, he wanted to find the navel of Grandmother Earth, who would have been Gaia. He wanted to find the navel because that was considered to be the center of the Earth, and it was very important to uh, the ancient Greeks. So he sent two eagles, which were his uh, representative animal, to fly from opposite sides of the world, and wherever they crossed, would be the center of the earth or Gaia's navel. And once the center of the earth was found, uh, Zeus kind of continued on his life, made it a sacred space, and just kind of went going on. A couple years later, Zeus met the Titan S and goddess of fertility, Leto, who he ended up having an affair with. Shocker there, I know, it's Zeus. Who did this piss off? His wife, of course. So Hera, once again, queen of the gods. If you want to know more about her, check out my last episode as well. Hera was enraged by this pregnancy and she forbid Leto to give birth on land. She was so upset. So Leto was on the run. She was confused. She just wanted to uh, have her children in peace. And instead, Hera sent a great serpent known as Python to make sure that Leto did not give birth on land. So in order to find a loophole here, Leto discovered the island of Delos, and this is where she eventually gave birth to twins. Apollo, the god of music, poetry, prophecy, archery, and healing, and his twin sister Artemis, the goddess of wild animals, the hunt, and chastity. Artemis isn't really that important in this story, but Apollo is our main figure today. So four days, just Four days after his birth, Apollo was searching to get revenge on Python for tormenting Leto. So he searched every corner of the earth to find Python and avenge his mother. And he eventually found him on the island of Delphi. And since he is the god of archery, he used his bow and arrow and struck down Python, killed him instantly with the first shot. Once he shot Python, the body of the serpent fell into the navel of Gaia, down into the center of the earth. This angered Gaia, not only because the center of the earth was now filled with a dead body, but also because Python was another one of her children. She was so enraged that she told Zeus to banish Apollo to Tartarus, which is like the underworld, but for monsters. So this is where Kronos's body is, uh, Dracaena, all of these things are found in Tartarus. It's like the underworld of the underworld. 
so she told him to banish Apollo to Tartarus, but Zeus thought that that was a little bit extreme, so instead he just kind of exiled him from Olympus and to be a slave to the Earth or to Gaia for nine years. After this time was served, Gaia ended up forgiving him and gifted him the land above her navel as a gift to him to show her appreciation for his service throughout these last nine years. And Apollo made this site his temple, and since he is the god of prophecy, he wanted an oracle to sit in his temple. So he ended up choosing an oracle, and he renamed her Pythia after the previous garden of the center of the earth, which is Python. So the Greeks believed that through Pythia, through the oracle, it was Apollo speaking through her in different allegories, because once again, god of poetry kind of goes hand in hand, the rhyming, the allegories, metaphors, all of this. So everybody believed that since Apollo was actually speaking through Pythia and the oracle, that it was the absolute truth and the word of a god. Therefore, it's actually true. There's no way that it could be wrong. It's kind of like how Christians believe that the Bible is the word of God. It is absolute truth. It's the same kind of principle here with Apollo and the oracle. The oracle would sit on a seat that had like three legs. It was kind of like a tripod over top of the chasm in the ground, this crack into the foundation of the temple, which was, once again, center of the earth, navel. You get the theme here. Pythia would sit on top of this seat and proclaim these prophecies. What would allow Apollo's spirit to encompass her in order to give these prophecies? Well, it is said that the serpent's body was decomposing deep within the chasm and the fumes would float upwards and entrance the oracle into these fits of prophecy. This gas and these fumes allowed Apollo to, to possess her. And it is recorded that she would, quote unquote, rave uh, while being possessed and that whatever she spoke when she was in these trances would then be translated by the priests of Apollo, including uh, Greek historian Plutarch, who is a famous uh, Greek influencer of the time. However, during the winter months, the oracle would not be consulted because at that time it was said that Apollo would be uh, visiting his friends, the Hyperboreans, in northern on the northern globe, so near the North Pole. And then instead, when Apollo was away, Dionysus, the god of wines and pleasure, would reside in the temple instead. The oracle was brought up in several, several different uh, pieces of Greek mythology, like the Iliad and the Odyssey, and she's referenced throughout the world as being this uh, pinnacle of prophecy and uh, divination. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the history behind this. Delphi is a real place. There is actually a temple to Apollo. There is um, these stone monuments and structures at this site. It is in Greek or in Greece, and it is located in Parnassus. So it is a beautiful location. If you want to see a visual image of this, you can check out my Instagram at yourfamilysbad underscore podcast, and you can see a little bit more of the visuals there about what the site looks like. But its occupation can be traced back to 6,800 BCE with an extensive use period between um, 
1600 and 1100 BCE. Evidence shows that the site was not really well known as a place for prophecy until around the 7th century BCE. So even though it's traced back for a while, it wasn't really occupied and known or well known until 7th century. But the earliest accounts of an oracle being present there were are dated back to the 8th century BCE. So let's talk a little bit about the site itself. Uh, Delphi, the word Delphi comes from a Greek word that means womb. So once again, it translates back to that navel or the center of the earth. And it is considered to be the, by the Greeks, considered to be the womb of the world. And you can kind of see this in the geography there. Once you're there, you really can see exactly what the Greeks are talking about. They, you can understand why this would be the center of the earth. If you, even if you look at pictures like I did, there are mountains everywhere, there are valleys, and the cliff itself is this big flat uh, piece of earth on the side of a mountain with a large cleft in it. And it's just a beautiful place. You can understand where the Greeks kind of thought of this. So there actually was an oracle that served there. We do have um, documentations of that, especially from Plutarch, who was a priest of Apollo himself. And this oracle was always consulted before any major wars or the establishment of new colonies or anything major that would happen in the Greek world. Even in personal lives, honestly, people would go up to the oracle and ask about things in a part of their lives as well. It wasn't just Heracles, it was also normal people like you and I. Evidence also shows that she was so respected throughout the Greek empire that she was also respected in countries that were surrounding uh, ancient Greece, like Lydia, Caria, and Egypt. And as time went on, new oracles were needed, uh, but it wasn't always Apollo who would choose the oracle. He chose the first one. Uh, but after the first oracle had passed away, the peasants of the city, of the nearby city, would come together and choose an oracle who was an older woman who had led a blameless life. So she would have been really uh, selfless and gave back to her community throughout her life. Every four years, the Pythian Games would take place at Delphi in order to commemorate Gaia and Apollo. And these games were the precursor to the Olympic Games. So this is a little bit into the backstory of that as well. Now for some newer history on the site. A four-year study uh, that was conducted in 2001 revealed that there were actually two fault lines that intersect directly below the temple of Apollo at Delphi. And they found traces of hallucinogenic gases like uh, ethylene rising from a spring nearby that would go uh, into the cracks, into the fault lines, and waft up inside of the temple. So it was likely that when the oracle would sit on her tripod seat that she would be intoxicated by this ethylene and actually start spreading these, with these prophecies. There is a copy of the stone, of the original stone monument, known as the Omphalos, which translates to navel of Mother Earth, and it still sit, exists there today. Uh, like I said, it is a copy, so it's not the original, but we can kind of get a picture of what happened there. Now this is a copy, but there are some evidences or some written evidence of Roman travelers who went to the site and they had found 
three phrases carved into the temple. These three phrases were, know thyself, nothing in excess, and make a pledge and mischief is nigh. What do those mean? I don't know. I really don't know. I tried to look and I couldn't figure it out. So maybe it's something that we all take from ourselves and say, what does this mean to me? So let me know. What does this mean to you? Uh, send me a direct message on Instagram. Once again, that's at your family's bad underscore podcast. So let me know. I look forward to hearing from you guys. So let's wrap all of this up. What does it mean? Well, it makes sense that the Oracle site, the site of Delphi, would have been in well occupation and well in use for such a long period of time from the 8th century all the way until the mass spread of Christianity to that uh, place on Earth. It makes sense. People really revered Apollo, like Plutarch and the other people from the surrounding towns. They would have really respected Apollo. That's why they made the temple there in the first place for him. But the Oracle itself was not a myth. She was there. She did give these prophecies and she did uh, explain these truths. People at that time might not have been able to understand that she was being um, drugged by Ethelene. They might not have understood that she was high, but they understood that something was going on. They understood, or they said, that it was the fumes of Python that were intoxicating her and letting the spirit of Apollo possess her. They almost had that right. It was the ethylene. This is just one way of viewing the world. They saw it one way, we see it another, but it was actually true. It did actually happen. So it's really interesting to think about. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Apollo gave Pythia a sick pad. Uh, tune in next week and we are going to be talking about why a pomegranate tied Persephone to the underworld with Hades. We're going to talk about all of that story uh, with Hades, Persephone, and Demeter. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fun one. See you next week.